Hello everyone, before we dive in today, I just want to say thank you for the unbelievable support so far since the launch of the podcast. Somehow, we managed to enter the Apple podcast charts in several countries, something for which I have simply no explanation. As you know, trying to keep momentum with new projects is always a challenge. So if you'd like to support further, I'd be hugely grateful if you could rate and review. Those are the metrics that platforms use to determine if a podcast will be shown in charts and feature recommendations. So, into today's podcast, where I'm thrilled to welcome Romanian artist Ioana Pioaru. As creatives or small business owners, we often encounter daunting obstacles such as circumnavigating the gatekeepers of the world, seeking elusive funding, or aspiring for that missing breakthrough. Iwana has taken these seemingly insurmountable barriers head on and today we explore both her story and the universals which can be drawn from it. With a hand-inked style with qualities of ancient craftsmen, Iwana proves that success doesn't require following modern trends. Her ability to stay true to her artistic vision while adapting along the way illustrates that pivoting doesn't have to mean compromise and change doesn't have to mean concession. That artistic courage has attracted a following of nearly 250,000 people on Instagram, serving as a timeless reminder that inner courage and staying true to your vision are the deepest foundations on the path to success. I'm your host, Jim Croft, and if you're ready, let's dive in. Hey, Joanna, how are you today? Hello, I'm very well and thank you for the invitation. Hey, look, it's just absolutely wonderful to meet you and especially when we're just sort of talking online and I've just sort of absolutely love your work and what you're doing and it's just a real joy to see you face to face. Thank you very much. It's a real joy to, to follow your work as well. So I think this is going to be great. Oops. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun because one of the things that I loved about what you said just when we were saying hello before we jumped onto the podcast, you were like, oh, you know what? I, I haven't actually done this type of thing before. And then I was like, oh yeah, but it's really new to me as well. So it's always quite fun with people who've been in the arts quite a long time that we're just doing something new together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, I asked because you have such a sort of passionate online following. And so I, we discussed yesterday about asking some of your followers if they'd like to ask some questions. And one of them just corresponded so closely to where I wanted to start the podcast that I thought I would just start away with that. So Mr. Yash asked us, he said, please tell us about your art journey, how it started, the difficulty you faced and future projects. Now, of course, in those questions, we've got just about all the other questions that I've got. That's a bit. <laughs> so, so, but so I thought well, look, out of that, let's just contextualize about your art journey. So your history, where you come from and where your story begins, Juana. Okay. So I'm Iwana Piwaru. I'm a Romanian British. Well, Actually, I've only just got my British citizenship about a year ago, so that's oh, freshly British. Amazing! <laughs> Thank you. So I'm a Romanian British artist. I've lived in the UK for nearly eleven years now, mm-hmm. and my journey with art started when I was two years old. Uh, of course, two was, years. Yes, yeah. I was very passionate about it in my early years. I was. I, my parents were telling me how. Almost every day between like three and four, they were bringing me notebooks and I was filling them up passionately and then asking for more. 
And I, I have these vague memories about when I was doing that, but of course it's all very vague. So yeah, I was very passionate about it when I was a, I was very young. And then when I started going to school, it kind of started to fade a little bit because I, you know, school was new to me. All the subjects I was learning about were very new. I loved everything. I was curious about everything. And art sort of faded in the background a little bit mm-hmm. for a while. And then, I don't know, some some sort of pragmatic mentality somehow got to me. And I was... You know, I knew I had a talent for art or I mm-hmm. had something, you know, some sort of close relationship with art, but some a voice in my mind kept telling me, you shouldn't choose this as a career path. I, and I was very young when I was having these thoughts, you know, like when wow. someone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was being very serious about that question for some reason, you know, and I, I would never say I'm going to be an artist, never as a child. I would, you know, say, I don't know, an architect was a, was an answer that was popping up a lot, you know, because since I was very young, I liked, you know, I liked architecture and I, I saw that as a more sort of pragmatic career choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, I studied foreign languages and literature and I really, really loved that. And I was, that, that's when I sort of started to make a plan in my mind about what I might, you know, do when I, when I'm an adult. Um, so I thought it was going to be something around that, you know, around, this, I don't know, being a translator or a writer or something like that. And then just after I finished high school and I, was, I actually took a, an exam to go into a, a university that was to do with languages and I got in. But then a tut- an art tutor from high school uh, kept telling me, look you need to at least try to get into art university. You know, just, mm-hmm, just try mm-hmm, it. It would be mm-hmm. a shame to, to waste your talent, you know, to, to just let it disappear. And, you know, for, for three years while I had that tutor during high school, I kept saying, nope, nope, this is just a hobby. I'm just doing it as a hobby. It's not, I shouldn't really do, do this seriously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he insisted so much that I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. Let's see where it goes. So I went, I went to check out what the requirements for art university in Bucharest. And it turned out that it was, you know, the, the competition was high. Mm-hmm. And um, you had to do a sort of a three weeks mentorship sort of preparation thing mm-hmm. there with the, with the tutors in the art university before you took the exam so that they could prepare you for what yeah. the exam was going to be. And, you know, I went there being very, you know, very sure of myself because all my life, everybody told me, you are so good at art. You're mm-hmm. so good at drawing. And I've mm-hmm. been drawing a lot, you know, up until that point. And then I I, I went to those courses, you know, those pre- preparatory courses in a uh, university before the uh, entrance exam. And I saw, I for the first time, I met this mass of people who were super talented. Uh-huh. And that was a shock to me, you know. Yeah. And also I met these tutors who were very serious about art, you know, about all the, like, the techniques and what you, you know, the foundation mm-hmm. knowledge you have to, to know to be a good artist, you know. Right. Things that I hadn't thought about, like value, composition, you know, I, all of this was totally new to me. <laughs> it was shocking, like, how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I jumped very quickly from being super sure of myself and, the, yeah, of course I'm going to pass the exam, but I don't actually want to do this to, yeah. I'm not going to pass the exam. <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't stand a chance, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> with the stuff I know, or rather with the stuff I don't know, that I, 
there's no way I'm going to enter. And then I started taking it very seriously. It was a challenge for me, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, did you want to? Well, no, I I was going to say, was that like once you got in or was that like to get in, the process to get in? in. So so you really, so that's very interesting. So you had to sort of like confront that fear and you responded to that fear by saying, right, I'm going to go all out with this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was a shock because in school, I I always liked all the subjects I was, you know, with the exams, I always had top, top scores and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was used to to being good at everything, you know? And yeah. suddenly there was this thing that I thought well, I had it under the belt, you know? And actually I didn't know anything about it. Um, or that's what that's that's what the sort of criteria in, in that course made me think that I didn't know anything about art, uh-huh, that uh-huh. I didn't know enough to get in, in the university. So I, uh, I started taking it very seriously and those three weeks were really, really intense. Uh, I remember going in in the studio with all these other people who already knew all the foundational stuff, you know. I like for four or five hours every day we were doing intensive art making mm-hmm. and you know studies from life and all kinds of you know things that could have come up at the at the exam. How, how did you how did you respond to that pressure? Because that's very interesting that you went into this environment where there's a clear result that you want to get to and you're under tremendous pressure and you're realizing something in you that want to be an artist. So how, like did it affect your ability or did you find a new focus? What was like your your experience psychologically under that pressure? Psychologically, I was very low actually. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I was used from because because my high school was quite competitive and very good. Mm-hmm. I was used to making a, an effort, you know, like to learning, le- learning a lot, mm-hmm. you know, listening to the tutors, listening to what they were saying, and trying to do what mm-hmm. what they asked. So I just took it as a challenge. And although I wasn't happy with what I was doing, I didn't want to give up. I was just you know going through this process. Yeah, and you know the. It was three three or four weeks, I can't remember exactly. But And then the exam day came. And I was still under the conviction that I had absolutely no chance to get in. <laughs> because, I don't know, I mean, it, it was very intense, but I didn't feel like I had gotten to the level where I was supposed to be. Yeah. But I did get in. I got in one of the last, actually, one of the last students on the list. But I got in... And I was so happy. I don't think I've ever been up to that point. I had never been so happy in my life. Wow. So, so did that really signify something in you? Because you'd, you'd been a sort of child prodigy of sorts, or at least you had that absolute passion and love when you were growing up. But then you were sort of, you know, doing it at school. But then it's so interesting how you... You know, I find this very interesting how at certain points in our lives, angels or guardians come out. And the, what I find so lovely in this story is that you had the teacher who was like, Iwana, you've got to have a go at this, you know, if you're feeling it. And that you went under that profound pressure and you went in there. And I just, I find it so wonderful when a young person has that instruction or that key person that just you know puts them on your way. But the thing that I find particularly interesting is it sounds like that, desire to get in like it it sparked something in you about hell i do want to be an artist would would that be a correct assertion i don't know actually i think that that desire was more the competitiveness (laughs) at at that age i had no idea what i was doing it Uh was just that suddenly i was faced with the challenge and i was 
I was used to winning challenges, That's like you know. <laughs> so you were stimulated by the competition. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But and then, of course, I mean, it took a long time for me to realize that I was just fulfilling my destiny, sort of. You know. Sure. But at that point, I was I was too immature for that sort of pro- thinking process. You know, it's just. But but it's very interesting. This um, let's let's just return to your story in just a, a, a second. But I find it very interesting the different ways that we need to find our motivation in life. And, you know, one of the things I love in your work, and we'll come to this later, but is you have this very deep reflection. I love how you write and how you use words. And it's like an invitation into your art. And I always just get a, a, a sense of a spiritual nourishment that exists within you and your process. And I also find it so interesting that that aspect of competition, because, you know, biologically we had to, you know, get out of the ocean and then, you know, as mammals survive the dinosaurs, you know, we've got that survivor instinct in us. And that's something like very profound and very beautiful, um, you know, in, in, in the way that life is that, you know, we have to keep going through our lives. And, and so, some of that with motivation, sometimes there's a sort of, a yay in one's motivation and sometimes there's a nay in one's motivation and you can be stimulated by a challenge and it's like hell I've got to get through this but do you find like at this point in your life and I know we're just jumping ahead but I'm just it just want to follow the thought do you find like it's just do, do, do you find any motivation in in a competitiveness with something in yourself or in the world is that something or have you sort of found a deeper peace with that side just as a reflection yeah, no, definitely. I don't have that competitiveness anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think that was part of the age, perhaps. Yeah. I, I've gone over that stage. And yes, just like you said, I found a sort of peace. Yeah. And I, I understand that this is my calling. I'm taking it very seriously. It's like a responsibility. It's, mm-hmm. I, I understand. I have this gift that I was given by the stars. I don't know what Beautiful. it is. And I'm it's my duty to make the best of it to you know to use it to bring my contribution in the world the best i can so i'm not in a competition with anyone rather i yeah. I, I bring my how do you say i i, I bring my contribution yeah uh, along with other people who try to make the world more better or more beautiful or yeah. whatever so uh, it's so interesting the the way that and but what i love is that you can recognize that that you know, there was that fire and that competitiveness and that goal to get in. But then it's also such a wonderful reflection to feel that you've integrated that aspect into a much sort of like deeper pool inside your spirit. And I mean, it was strange because that was actually the, that was my feeling from the way that, because I was, oh, wow, I, I would never would have like, put a sense of competitiveness um, from the very kind of deep research that I did kind of going going into. But then again, on the other hand, it's like we're motivated by different things. And I, I think that, you know, to become highly skilled in something, I think one needs to feed from a whole massive pool of different psychology and struggle and and motivation so for you you got into the art school and that was a sense of relief and so what happened from that point my pragmatism never really left me so the the thing is uh, i got in with the idea that 
that came perhaps from my family or from my environment that art can't get you a proper career. Like you can't make a living out of art. But then when I got into university, I understood that there's, you know, that this was in the early 2000s. So that there was a completely different environment in the world compared to when my parents grew up. I mean, there's a whole industry around creatives. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't the case that you couldn't make a living with art or with the create, you know, with creativity, because, you know, you could be a designer, you could be an illustrator. So even if, even if you weren't going to be an artist, like a mm-hmm. professional fine art person, you could still use the skills you would uh, learn in mm-hmm. university in order to make a living. So that was kind of my backup plan. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, if everything else fails and I can't be an artist and do what I want, yeah. I can be an illustrator, I can yeah. be a designer. I can, and I did, actually. I, I mean, for many years, I worked as an illustrator. I worked in the did games you? industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So, uh, these, you know, I was doing these jobs that I knew they weren't really fulfilling my potential, but they were kind of fulfilling my need for security, you know, like for financial security. And it was, I had stable jobs, you yeah. know, that... But so you had a trust in when you were studying in the potential of the transferable skills that this yes. was going to lead somewhere, and that's very interesting. And did and did you? Uh, I I don't. So I, I have a friend who I interviewed on a podcast. Wonderful guy called called Dean. He's an amazing Bulgarian musician. Comes from a little town, and he's sort of he was just like I am never going to make it in in a music industry as he, he hoped to do so. And he was also singing English language. So that was actually what propelled him out into the world. And he traveled and worked on boats and all over the place. At what point did you start getting a sense that you might migrate out, out of Romania and out into the world? So w- w- at what point did you, did you leave? I left a few years after I graduated my MA and after I'd I'd worked in Bucharest with different companies being a graphic artist. Mm-hmm. So I worked with a games company and then I worked with another company making like I was making illustrations for tutorials or for books and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was also working as an illustrator for a publishing house. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I came to the UK two or three years after I graduated. And it was out of a whim, really, more than anything else. <laughs> and so what was the whim? Well, this, I mean, I, I have to go back a little bit during my university years when I started to uh, discover contemporary art. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> this was, I mean, again, this was another shock for me. The fact that, you know, you could make art that wasn't beautiful. You could make art that wasn't immediately likable and that needed a story mm-hmm. and a, a good story in order to be meaningful. So, and I started, I mean, I, I don't know, I didn't have a great visual culture up until that moment that I didn't know about the big artists that populate the, you know, the art world and, yeah. and that everybody knows. Um, and when I when I first started to learn about them, I thought, "Wow, this is so different from what I'm doing. This is so different from what we're studying in our, you know, in in, in Romania, in art university. You spend kind of half of your day in the studio. Well, at least in my class, we were spending half the day drawing, you know, just from life, you know, making studies and all that. And the the other half was theory, mm-hmm. like perspective, anatomy." 
aesthetics, philosophy, whatever these theoretical subjects that are somehow linked mm-hmm. with art. Um, and yeah, and art history, uh, you know, I studied art history for two years and it covered universal history, but, you know, up to like modernism. And so I was familiar with that and everything was kind of based on beauty. Mm-hmm. But then in the last year of my bachelor's degree, we started doing contemporary art and it was so different, you know, and I was like, Right. So what are we actually learning in, I mean, how is what we're learning in the studio work preparing us for competing with these people? Because uh-huh. there was absolutely no connection or I couldn't see any connection. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like uh, our university was not preparing us for the real art world. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. And I became fascinated with, with contemporary art. And I, you know, I, I was, I looked up to it a lot and I, I was thinking how I could start creating in that way, you know, in yes. a way that was relevant for the contemporary mm-hmm. art community, let's say, or okay. environment. And that there was a huge uh, conflict there, you know, as you can probably imagine. And then, and then after I graduated, I was like, okay, I have all these skills. I know how to draw really well, but what do I do with it? So the, mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of was, was to get these jobs as an illustrator, or graphic artist, yeah. whatever, because that was actually using those skills. But I didn't know how to be a contemporary artist. But this is one of the fascinating things, I think, about your work, because you, obviously your ink drawing is something that is so loved and you're so proficient and you are prodigious in, you know, you're very, you create a lot of work. I mean, it's absolutely mind boggling. But then there's also when you go deeper in this, this other side and you're into holography and the virtual reality and mixing different media. And I was like, oh, wow, it's just what, what, it was such an amazing thing to discover that you're just drawing on and then combining these super on the threshold modern techniques with this very old, traditional, wonderful craftsmanship that sort of goes back thousands of years. So you left university and then was that learning about things like holography on your own or how did it develop? No, <laughs> this came much later. It did. It did. Really. Yes. Yeah, it did. So I had a, a, a period of a few years when I was completely stuck and I just couldn't see a way out of that block because, you know, again, as I said, I was looking up to these people who are creating this almost, I mean, you know, contemporary art. I'm not going to, you know, try to describe it too too deeply. And what, what I felt like doing... I you know, I, there was no connection there. So I didn't feel like doing anything almost. And I was, I felt like I was wasting myself, mm-hmm. you know, but, and you know, there was a point when I thought, look, I need to just stop agonizing about this. I have to just do something. So I had a, a quite a long period when I was just doodling, mm-hmm. you know, like I thought mm-hmm. I had this energy in me that said, you need to make something, you need to create, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what, because I didn't feel contemporary art I, I didn't feel it it wasn't in me I mm-hmm. you know conceptual art and all this you know I, I loved it I could I could appreciate it um, how to say intellectually but I didn't know how I didn't want to do it mm-hmm. you know? so it wasn't coming out of you no and, organically or and but it feels like there was a on some level there was a sense of should like 
I should be trying to engage. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And so that's where you look. And so that's how you would describe the block, is it? As in there was something that you felt organically that you wanted to do in your own spirit, in your life. And yet there was a sort of pressure in society about, okay, should I be following the trends? Look, let's just go into that for a moment because something that so many different people feel uh, it's a sort of rite of passage in your career as an artist as a creative as a musician as a filmmaker illustrator whatever it is that at different points you come across profound blocks in the road and it's a very archetypal sort of idea because the artist goes out into the world and it was lovely how you talked about this angel this teacher who at a critical point started uh, helping you in this direction or made the critical suggestion but then a block in the road comes you know the obstacle and it doesn't matter how experienced we are I think it does get different and easier because we we understand it to be a rite of passage because those obstacles come at different stages in our life but for you how exactly, two questions, how exactly did you find your way through the obstacle? And secondly, if you were to reflect on the, the obstacles that you face and to suggest some advice to other artists who are young artists, a critical moment in their career, what would be your suggestions about how to navigate that space? So the way I got out of the block was by uh, stopping to intellectualize it is that a word it is like it's to stop over analyzing it mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i said I, I spent quite some time just doodling and it was this uh, i started drawing these things they were coming out of me sort of automatically mm-hmm. but i didn't stop i just thought look i let my body do whatever it wants and so, my mind you know and so it, 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 it had the shape of these sort of machines you know mm-hmm. lots of pipes and sort of robotic I don't know, structures and sort of pseudo machinery, you know, like sort of steampunk stuff. From your imagination. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you're, so you're, you were literally playing, you were playing and doodling and just letting yes. something come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what came out. And so I, you know, I, I made a few artworks like this and they, they, they got into some exhibitions and they, they were, you know, well received. Mm-hmm. And then I, I started building a little bit more on top of that and started to, I mean, I gave myself sort of permission to, to start to think about it because up mm-hmm. until that, I just, I didn't want to think about it at all. Okay. You know? And then, yeah, it started to develop in lots of different um, subjects. For example, I started doing these composition where I have, uh, there was a house, like a pub or something, and then there was pipes underneath it, you know, so that those those are some of my first artworks of liberation, as it were, you know. Uh-huh. So, and then, so so I realized that, that that there was joy in the process, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, if if anything, that there was meaning in that. If there was no meaning to my work, at least there was meaning to the process. Because it was guiding you. It was guiding me, and it was giving me pleasure and it felt that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. you know so yeah I I just didn't stop I I kept drawing and you know one thing led to another and you know I started I started understanding that that there are things that I love in the world and they are you know some people could call them trivial things or unimportant or irrelevant or whatever but the fact that I 
loved them was meaningful to me. So it was worth my time, you know, uh, exploring them, spending some time drawing them, understanding them, whatever. So, mm-hmm. and the, the the love that I put in these projects without thinking about the outcome or without thinking about whether anyone's going to like them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it actually made people like them because yeah. Because that love comes out somehow, you know, like the energy that you put into a project is is perceived by people, you know, mm-hmm. somehow. It's like a heart-to-heart communication. Well, I just, I, I love h- how you describe it and how you link. It's It's like you're describing the way that you discovered your own process and figuring out that this sense of meaning and love is, you know, out of that ritualization of, I will do it for the sake of it because I love it. And I see that as being good and meaningful in and of itself. And what I find so profound is, which I didn't know, is that that, that you figured that part of your process out of stuckness, out of a block, a young woman going out into the world, unsure how you're going to make your living and all the rest of it. And you, you used play and you followed your spirit and it, it it was the spark to the rest of your life, it sounds like. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It was very liberating. And I mean, if, if you asked me if I can give advice to, to anyone, you know, who feels stuck like that, I, I would say, listen to your inner voice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a voice that tells you what to do and often you block it. Or there's another voice that doesn't come from you. It comes from someone else, but you've internalized it mm-hmm. who stops that authentic inner voice you know so try to find that authentic inner voice and go with it at least a little bit and see what happens for me that's that's what it was you know i i thought why not i feel like drawing beautiful things let's just go with it you know so what if it's irrelevant so what if contemporary the contemporary art world doesn't care about this stuff you know it doesn't matter you know, I'll just do it anyway and see what happens. And and the magical thing that happened was that all the people, thanks to Instagram, actually, all the people who are kind of on the same wavelength at, as me, you mm-hmm. know, they they saw it and they we came together, you know, and mm-hmm. and a, another kind of community developed around yep. this around my art, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, uh, maybe major galleries don't you know don't find my art interesting or whatever but there's a huge community of people who do find it interesting and you know they engage with it and they like it and that means a lot for me well no let's let's just hold on there iwana because like your community is absolutely extraordinary i mean when you put up a post the amount of love and what I find so interesting is that when I was going deeper into the comments of what people are, it's not saying and reacting, it's what they're feeling. It's like, and, and this is what I found so interesting as I went deeper into your, into, you know, how into your artwork and you what you put out into the world, because it's not just your profound, the profound level that you have reached as an artist and your knowledge of your process and all the rest of it. People are finding something through what you're putting out and they find it in the work. And they also, I think, find it in the words and in the message and and in the value. So at what point did it start triggering for you in terms of you like, okay, hold on, something's happening. 
something is the world is beginning to notice when did that start happening it was i think a couple of years ago probably when i really really started to allow myself to draw beauty <laughs> you know just to stop that uh stop that voice that was saying beauty is not relevant today you know like <laughs> this is old stuff but and 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 the more i did it and the more people engaged with it the more i realized how important it is you know and mm -hmm. then, and and you know and mm -hmm. then i actually i should i should say this because i think it's important i i went through a phase when i felt like i needed therapy so mm -hmm. i did therapy with an amazing coach actually something between coaching and therapy mm -hmm. and she she kind of encouraged me to to go deeper into myself and to understand what my core values are mm -hmm. and i, I ne i'd never thought about it up until then what are my core values? what's that core value <laughs> um but but it was illuminating you know like yeah. okay i'm gonna think about this and the thing that popped up all the time was beauty that started to to create a whole whole lot of meaning around this you know because mm -hmm. so i when i think about beauty i don't think about the external appearance of things i think about okay there's that yes it's the it's aesthetic it's i don't know pleasing visually pleasing things mm -hmm. right but there, there's a reason why they why white people call them visually pleasing and there's a reason why they are why they bring so much joy to people mm -hmm. um and i think it's this joy that you feel when you look at something beautiful i think that's the essence of it you know it's like you it it gets you out of your out of the mundane you know yeah. beauty gets you out of your everyday life and it puts you in front of this object that you contemplate and it kind of brings you closer to your like spiritual potential let's say like you mm -hmm. when you look at something beautiful you don't think about is it useful you know it, it kind of makes you a better person if you think about it like i'm probably being a little bit incoherent here Go, because not a at all follow out. follow it please just just follow it because it's in that it's it's for me that is the art it's like i you know i think of the artist as a communicator between two worlds you know you have the ephemeral world and you have the physical world you have the mind you have the body and you know why do we need our artists we need our artists because they are the crazy ones who are betwixt those two worlds you know that you know it's that kind of visionary or mystical type of role so and i think the amazing thing is not that there is a simple interpretation it is the figuring out of it itself mm. that so folks so please follow the abstraction because i find it fascinating and i think other people do because what i'm trying to figure out and what other people are trying to figure out is like how you render something what's what is it what's the iwananess that leads to that and i think that's what you're exploring yeah absolutely so it, it just it's one thing popped in my my mind when you were talking and focusing me and thank you for that my sort of slogan or credo let's say it comes from dostoevsky and it says beauty will save the world hmm. and i think it's exactly because when you contemplate beauty you forget everything and you are at peace you know you are like 
out of out of the you know meanness of the world out mm. of the i don't know trivial you know it's just you and mm. that thing and you're at peace and it brings you joy and it's everlasting mm-hmm. you know somehow mm-hmm. it, it, it touches you in a way that is very human and it's also spiritual and maybe divine i don't know so mm-hmm. i think i that, that's what that's why i think art that is that keeps that connection with beauty it has the capacity to bring good in the world mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. if more people engage with that if more people have the chance to engage with beauty it it will take them out of the competitiveness and the fight right. and the hatred and the you know yeah. it brings you into this space where you are at peace Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a long way, obviously, to that. And life is complicated and difficult. But I think the more you increase those, increase those moments and the, the potential of those moments to occur, you know, on a universal scale, the more chances you have for, you know, world peace. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't no, know, it sounds a bit like... A, le- a no, bit... but let it. It's like if we're not going to believe in that conceptualization and the meaning of it, then why the hell are we doing this? It's like, well, I agree. I think that the arts can promote peace way beyond slogans and sloganeering, but but it, like you said, in and of itself, in the meaning, and that's what I just absolutely love about how passionate people are and the so many people when they're following you online, they are just discovering something that it's almost like something's missing in, in the world and it's fulfilled in that or that they can identify with that part of themselves that yearns for that and they respond to your work. And I mean, it's so interesting because this is kind of like neoplatonic idea of the being this this aspect of of perfection, but we as human beings, we can never quite get to it. I think Michelangelo talked about it. He talked about the 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 dreams that let me just remember it's the dreams of sleep. The human experience is being like the dreams of sleepers and the ravings of madmen. And you know, because everything is on the surface so messed up and imperfect. And you know, sometimes I think nowadays everyone can feel this big pressure because I think maybe it's also because of the nastier side of social media that we're always so aware of all the terrible stuff that does exist and the rest of it. But then again, none of the beautiful things or the wonderful interactions are really reported. It's always the sort of the the, the, the bad stuff. And yet people have this yearning. And, you know, and it's like when I think about something that you wrote and you were talking about a tree being the most difficult, you know, one of the most difficult things to evoke poetically or or even as it is because it has this chaos aspect and you can see it, but you can't see it. And it's three-dimensional and it's speaking at you and you're like, wow, how do I capture this? And you know, what you're doing in your art is you're capturing, it's like the essence-ness of the tree. It's like the idea within the tree, like in that platonic thing. And it doesn't mean that the idea itself has to exist like in and of itself. But that's the job of the artist to see the, the perfectedness that's within the creation itself. And I, I, I that's how I respond when I see your art, because I feel like you're transcribing. And it's not just the beauty. It's like you've got the chaos of the tree, but you've also got that love of architecture and dilapidated things. And it's like, I remember you were talking about 
the Romanian buildings when you were back in Bucharest and there was this part of you that was like, to, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but to start with, because you were trying to deepen and your relationship with your home country and you went into it. And at the start, you were, fra- you were finding it difficult because you had all these beautiful things that were fragmenting and sort of eroding. And you're like, well, why aren't we protecting these things? And then the deeper you, you were painting, you were, you were drawing them, you started to appreciate, okay, it's the fragmentation of itself. And that I can love and step into. And that is also, I think, the role of the artist that you see reality as it is at this point in time with all its destruction, all its erosion, all its beauty and all its flaws, but you can capture its inner reality somehow. Yes, and that's that's why I always say, I always say, look at the world with eyes wide open, you know, I mean, okay, I draw beautiful pictures, but that doesn't mean I'm blind to the, <laughs> to, to what's wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just that you shouldn't let the wrongness completely swamp the beauty and the fact that there's still things that we can do. And the fact that we can still enjoy life, at least, you know, up to a point, and we can still find peace, you know, in this life. So, yeah, and and what you were saying about perfection, it's it's funny because uh, I get a lot of comments from people who say your work is perfect. And it's funny because I don't consider it perfect. Mm -hmm. I know all the imperfections that are there, but yet people feel like using that word perfection, you know, and I think it's not. I think it's because maybe they they relate with the world with the work that they see on an, on a level where they 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 see the perhaps the sereneness that is necessary in order to bring that sort of work into existence. It's mm-hmm. not that the lines are perfectly straight yes. or that you know that a, a face is you know rendered perfectly. It's there's there is actually no perfection. It's just uh-huh. the, it's just the peacefulness or the Mm -hmm. a sort of state of mind you have to put yourself in one to create that you know the patience you need to 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 invest in the work you know to to bring it into existence and also the sereneness uh, of the of the viewer you know when they when they come in contact with that you know and that is Mm -hmm. some form of perfection is you know is like like i was saying earlier like the contact with beauty is like contact with the with 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 the spiritual, you know, in a certain sense. Well, that's one of the things I also really love about your work and how you present it online, because you are always expressing your process and something that I try to be a voice for to to artists, because I I think a lot of artists struggle with the difference between artwork and content and feel kind of cheapened to some degree by the need to make content, feel very blocked about the digital world and so on. And one of the things I really love about your work and how you present yourself, Iwana, is that you go so deeply into your process. And that includes the mistakes. Like I was just watching the other day, like a video and it's it's a compilation of all the different mistakes you made. And if I may just read something back to you from your own writing, because I I wrote different stuff down because I I love your writing. And so I'm going to read two quotations, then maybe you can respond to them and expand. So a mistake is a very relative thing. For a perfectionist, even the slightest deviation from the intended trajectory of a line is a mistake. I see the deviations, but I embrace them and refuse to let them hinder my progress. And this was so, so interesting. It's when I was l- looking at your work, I was like, okay, now I can see that it's it's a 
it's a sort of like manifestation of miniature imperfections, but your state of being renders it into this wonderful, pleasing thing. And just before you respond, I'll just read you one more, because I think it's really nice for people to hear it, because I think your words are so lovely and, and impactful. And you say, it takes mental strength and a lot of experience to get to that point where you notice your own mistake and simply decide to move on, trusting that everything will turn out well in the end. And so just from that, with this making mistakes, if you could maybe draw out a, a life lesson or the life lessons that you've learned through your creative process with making mistakes and learning to adapt to it. So, yeah, I, I, I am or I used to be a perfectionist. Uh, I, I mean, I struggle with this. You know, I do see all the deviations. That is very true. I see <laughs> every mistake. And, you know, there used to be a time when that would really give me the sinking feeling how am i going to recover from this you know Uh but uh, i think this is part of maturing as an artist and as a person you just move on you just you it's so small and like i said it's relative i mean i see it because it happens while i'm looking at it but and i say this all the time to everybody who's asking me about what do you do when you make mistakes uh by the end of the process and I, I know this through experience by by the time i finish a drawing all of those imperfections are completely invisible nobody knows about them mm-hmm. even if i know they are there yes the, you know the overwhelming feeling is you know the is you know it's just the the overall picture you yeah. know is the overall picture the message the energy that went into it, it's mm-hmm. not the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who's hunting for mistakes? Mm-hmm. And why Why would you? Why mm-hmm. would you look at mistakes? And this is what I tell people, you know, forget about the mistakes. People will feel your energy, the energy mm-hmm. that you put in that picture and what you wanted to say with it. You know, it doesn't matter that, you you know, a line's a little bit crooked. or, But this comes with time and with, with trusting the process. And I can't emphasize this enough. You know, trust the process go through all those motions and, you know, finish that part of the drawing and that other part. And, and before you start judging it, just finish it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. That's it. It, it's so important to, to bring a, a piece of work to completion before you start judging it. Because, sorry, and I'm just, just one more thing that I want to say, almost every drawing I work on goes through the ugly phase, <laughs> the, the phase where I can't believe I'm going to make, going to be able to make anything out of it. And I feel like throwing it away, mm-hmm. but I know it's, I, I know that I'm going to be able to, to fix it. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, actually, it's not even about fixing. It's just a, a perception thing. It looks ugly because it's not finished. But I think it's probably very reassuring to other artists going, wow, an, an artist of your stature still struggles with, you know, even within the process where you can hardly look at it because you're, you know, you're having self-doubt, even though you've got to that conclusion so many times before. Yeah, I th- exactly. Yes. But I also find such a, a life lesson within the, the metaphor, within that you're having this experience and you're noticing all the imperfections and you are just in a sort of state of peace with the fact that 
you know, everything. I mean, I'm sure you have times when you're really in the zone and it's just, it, you know, it happens and that that's the wonderful artistic flow. But it's just a, a wonderful reflection about having this broader trust in life that if you are doing your best within each line that you draw and you're doing that with all your heart, that even though in the if you look at it as a microcosm, it all looks like a disaster. But if you trust that process and you have the courage to finish something, the the tapestry is so much greater than what happens in a moment or in the day and i just love that you share that part of your process yeah yeah it's, it's so important yeah just finish the work trust the process and in terms and the other aspect that's <clears throat> like very like uh, that's important i think in your work is of course patience which is such an important and uh, i mean I don't want to put you on a pedestal, Ioana, but when I look at your work, I'm like, wow, there's this sort of, this is Zen piece that, that you seem so within the process. So I have two questions about it. One is not about the patient. It's, it's about before the patients. So do you experience resistance to sitting down before you get to the patients and before you get in the flow. So do you ever um, struggle with resistance for sitting down? Second question is also on resistance. Do you struggle ever with within resistance within the process? And if so, at what point do you unlock this superpower of patience that you seem to have cultivated? I would also yes, only to the first question. I do experience resistance before I start the creative process sometimes how does, the, how, how does that feel it's it's the uncertainty of what's going to come out the uncertainty of whether i'm going to be able to materialize my vision huh. that that's basically what it is and again i have to you know i have to tell myself you know what you're doing you've done this before mm-hmm. you have a plan just go with the plan so you're speaking to yourself in that moment, you're psychologically sort of, if you imagine it was sort of adult and a child, but you're literally reassuring <laughs> yes. yourself, right? But that's a great exactly. technique. That's a great technique to, you know, in a father or in a mother yourself and use that as a strategy. I think that's very interesting. Yes. And I also, I, I, I also realize that a lot of the resistance comes from the ego, you know, the idea that if this doesn't turn out as I want it, and as good as I want it to be, it's going to, it's going to look badly on me or it's, it's how, do, how do I say this? It's like, people are going to think badly, mm-hmm, of me, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's going to lower my status or, and, but then again, I, ha- I remind myself that this is not about me. You know, these ideas that I have and that I feel compelled to materialize into artworks, they, they come from somewhere else and they are like messages that I have to send out to the world. And okay, maybe they're going to be imperfect messages, but they will be messages nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And people will get them and will appreciate them on some level or another. Mm -hmm. So it's this, you know, it's hierarchy between me, the artist and the ideas and the gift that I have Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the, the work that comes through me and that is given to the world as, you know, as a message. And I, I have to always say the message is more important. The work mm-hmm. is more important. It's not me, you know, so. 
so that's, the, that's what helps me come out of that resistance and just you know do it so that that sense of that of the, that there's also a higher idea and that meaning that goes right back to that blockade in your 20s finding that meaning it helps you to get back to it and so what about like the patience like what what happens to you when you trigger into that state of patience and i mean you obviously know I, I would imagine at this point, because you've been so prolific in your life as an artist now, that I suspect you're able to activate that space. But sort of, can you tell us a little bit about the act of patience, maybe a reflection upon it, how to settle one's mind into that, that spirit, that state of mind, and maybe a tip for other people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, yes. Um, so how to get in the zone? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for me, once I made up my mind that I'm going to work on the thing, I, it's quite easy to get in the zone. But I, I go back to when it wasn't quite so easy. And I, I, I realized it was important to breathe, you know, to calm myself. It was really important to just take a few deep mm, breaths. Lovely. And that it's, it's amazing what that does. It just immediately kind of, pushes a stop button to everything, all the, all the crazy voices in your mind and mm. all the worries, all the anxiety, mm. all the self-doubt and all mm. of that. And you're like, enter into this other zone, you know, when you're like, you know what you're doing, you're here for a reason and you better get on with it. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is to create a nice atmosphere around you, mm. you know, like make sure your workspace is comfortable mm -hmm. and welcoming and i don't know if music helps listen to some music mm -hmm. if oh, for example one thing i like to do when i when i'm in the middle of the process and there's a lot of repetition going i like to listen to audiobooks mm -hmm. you know as and like i mean all of those thousands of lines that that happen without my brain almost doing anything uh -huh. they have this background this beautiful meaningful background to them of someone else's work you know that is you know deep and meaningful and it, there's no connection between them but mm -hmm. it's it's like a it's like something for the brain to do while the hand does the automatic mm -hmm. motions mm -hmm. that it has learned and it knows it has to do it's so interesting that that state of integration is it's almost like you can be in two spaces in the same time. Mm. It's fascinating. And I have to say, I am terrible at multitasking. I can't multitask <laughs> so to save my yeah. life. I can't. Yeah. But these two things, because I, because I, because my hand is now so well trained and mm -hmm. knows exactly what it has to do, it's almost like a robotic hand, you know, yeah. that my brain is completely free during hours. Of mm -hmm. my you know studio time so i i have the freedom to listen mm -hmm. to books mm -hmm. and often i have to say this too it's often books that i've already read in print uh, oh interesting. so i know yes yeah, so i know the plot and i just i i i engage with this whole new experience which is the audiobook and it's someone an actor's voice and an actor playing out this beautiful creation mm -hmm. of an author you know mm -hmm. and it's very very different to reading it's something else completely it's so interesting how you trigger yourself into this space and one of the things that i find very like interesting possibly unusual about you is that you have this capacity for this sort of 
profound patience, ability to stay in one space, which is also like for me an evocation of being because one has to be comfortable with oneself, first of all, to be in that space. But the other aspect that I find is that a lot of people who have a strong following online can be quite fragmented in their capacity to concentrate, their capacity to focus, and to really go into this zone where I think that great art comes from. So I just wanted to ask you about that because you seem to have this, I think, almost miraculous <laughs> to, capacity to be very present online. You answer a lot of comments, you show your work, you share your work and your process. And yet you, it doesn't seem to compromise this part of you that can just really go so deeply into the artwork. And a lot of, I think a lot of artists resist the online stuff because they feel like it's, it's distracting and breaking down or fragmenting their mind from being able to get into this space. So I'm just wondering, how do you handle that? What's the key? Yeah, it, it is fragmenting, but fortunately i do get in the zone very quickly mm -hmm. but yes the fact that i have to to remind myself to stop now and again and you know take a quick video for mm -hmm. instagram you know that yeah. it you know it does break the flow a little bit mm -hmm. not too much but i realize the importance of it so i i i, I do that um and so and also i have to block sometimes several hours in the day, maybe two, three hours to answer comments because I think it's important. You know, for me, it is important. I mean, like I said before, Instagram for me was this avenue towards a community of people who shared my values, yes. you know? So I managed through, you know, the way that mm -hmm. social media and Instagram works, I managed to gather this, this community around my work that can enjoy it and benefit from it yes. so i want to keep that going so although <laughs> yes sometimes it's a pain having to stop the process i i i've integrated it in my sort of duty let's say you know like yes it's my it's my duty to make the work mm -hmm. but it's also my duty to show it to the world and and this is how i like to show it but i think this is a very key point so i mean i know a lot of artists who just really struggle with the whole online thing at all. And, you know, something that I actually went through a process a couple of years ago where I was considering deleting all, all my online stuff because I just felt, I felt such a sort of disassociation. I, I, you know, I'm in my forties. I didn't grow up where Facebook didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist. And I just, I think there was on some part of me, this longing for a world that, that you know it's not there in the same in, in in the same way of course the world is still there but our modern experience and also how we do business and how we engage in the world has changed and one of the things for me when i went through this period and i went off in my van into the scottish highlands and i spent a winter just kind of really thinking over who i was what i wanted in the world how i wanted to get involved in it and i arrived back at the point where it's and it, i think this really i really relate with you with this where it's like i realized okay well one of my most deepest raison d'etre in life is I want to help people, especially struggling people. And I realized I've been through the arts for 20 years. I've got an awful lot of experience and I know that I can pass on stuff. And this is one of the things that motivates me to speak with other artists like you, because we all have our different experiences. And so to tap into that wisdom and share it, I think is something sort of really helpful. But the main thing that I realized was, and I can see this in you, is that you 
you have a love of your audience and also of your message. And from that point of view, you are a vehicle between the two. And it's like you said earlier, there's a sense of responsibility. And I think that's such a wonderful thing because it's evident to me that you don't, you look as your audience as people and that what you're doing with your life to help them by being present and exchange, you know, putting those, those messages across. I think it's a just, it's a very meaningful process, but also it, I think once you think about it as people and kind of what you can give rather than trying to get something, then it revolutionizes how, how you feel about it because it's no longer this thing that you feel like you should do trying to progress your, your, your career. And would you say that that's something that sort of helped you with your discipline with social media, just this fact of being a vehicle for a message and that being the place where the message can arrive and a respect coming to it through that. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it has become an important part of this whole process that you're describing, you know, the presentation, the, the, the contact between the work mm -hmm. and the people. And <clears throat> it's funny because one of the definitions of art that I, I resonate with the most comes from uh, Graham Harmon, who said that the artwork is the, the, the meeting between the art object and the, the beholder. Uh -huh. You know, there is no artwork without the beholder. You know, otherwise the art object is just material stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just canvas and oil mm -hmm. and, you know, and, but with, without someone to give it meaning, you know, yep. to, to, to perceive it and to understand it as art, it's not art, you know. So uh, that's why I feel that it, it is so important to, to, to give room and space to this dialogue to occur. Mm -hmm. uh, and and oh, it's so beneficial to me too. So on the one hand, yes, okay, it's the people who see the work and they enjoy it and they love it, but it's also also all the en beautiful energy and love that I get back from mm. all these people. It's so important for me. I mean, all the comments, I really, you know, I, I, I relish in reading them and they, they bring me so much happiness, you mm -hmm. know, like to, to know that I touched another heart with my work, you know, and that it's meaningful to them and that it made their day. And, and people do share sometimes it's very very deep insights, you know, and they tell me how, you know, they spend a long time looking at my art and it makes them feel good. And it, mm -hmm. for me, that is very important. It, I feel like, you know, I've done my job. I've done what I've wanted to do when I woke up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So there is, so you're, so the takeaway for an artist who's struggling with social media is to remember that it's about, that there's an aspect of responsibility to be a channel for that which you find inside yourself. So it's not Absolutely. about so it's not yeah. about just you. It's not about just the artwork. It's not about just the audience. But the role of the artist to, is almost to be an intermediary between the things. Exactly. To to bring them together. And that is why, I mean, I know a lot of my audience is <clears throat> other artists, artists who want to learn from me, artists who want to understand how uh, to understand my process and how I constructed my social media profile and mm -hmm. all of that. And I encourage everybody, you know, whenever anyone asks me, how do you do this? What pens do you use? Yeah. What paper do you use? I've, I got these questions probably hundreds of times by now. Mm. And I answer every time. Amazing. Because 
I think it's important. I want to encourage everybody to do art. All these people who have feel like they have it in them mm -hmm. to do art, they need right. to be encouraged. Right. There isn't enough art. You know, you have this message also, oh, there's too much art, there's so much art, there's so much imagery going around. And now with AI to putting more imagery out into the world is too much. No, there's not too much of it. There's not enough beauty in the world. And if, if more people can bring their contribution to building a more beautiful world, they should be encouraged. I so, yeah. find that so beautiful in itself to be that seeing yourself as a facilitator of it and it's also about doing the work because you know what you said earlier it's like well I think that the art and beauty can help to make the world a better place and a more peaceful place but what I love and find so inspiring about how when you talk about it Iwana is that you're like you've also got to do the damn work and sometimes the damn work is sitting down and this person who's trying to learn, even though I've said it 10,000 times before, I will tell them because I will encourage them. That is making the world better one by one, letter by letter. I find yes, that one by one. And, and sometimes this happens in private messaging, you know, so mm -hmm. I could I could ignore these people, mm -hmm. you know, I could just not answer and no one would ever know. But I know that by answering that person who's just a beginner and he wants to know where to start and what to do or wants a little bit of feedback on their sketch or whatever, I know that it, for them it's meaningful and, you know, it's it's important. And, I you know, I push, you know, the cause a little bit <laughs> further by answering all of these, uh, these questions. Well, it's everybody. wonderful. And it's, I mean, and it's also, it, you know, the, the paradox as well is because you have that love of it and because you're motivated by the message you also get the kickback because the thing is is that people love it when they are answered <laughs> by an artist and of course you know the, the physiology of the algorithm and the rest of it is that 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 trust and that personalness between people means that people comment more and get more interested and that also helps the message and the artwork come out as well as you know being able to be an adult as an artist surviving off your work and selling it and doing all the other things that we you know the practical things that we need to do to survive and thrive as artists so to a couple of questions on the digital economy so so one is sort of there's an artist out there and they are they're just struggling with how to get this whole damn thing online going. And I think you've already shared some really key points about being a channel for your message, about doing the work, about loving the process, about it not getting in the way of the art itself. So that's all really valuable lessons. Is there anything else that you could say to that young artist who's like, I know that I'm good and I know I've got something and I feel the fire, but I just can't get the damn thing going online. Like, what would you say to them? Persevere. Just keep doing it. I mean, I've, I've opened my Instagram account about, I don't know, about five years ago, I think. And for two and a half years, I had, I don't know, like every post was getting just a couple, you know, at best 300 likes or something. You can check this. I mean, you know, now that I got a huge following, yep. people go back and like my old stuff. But then for, for more than two years, I was just like pushing 
you know, a dead horse. You know, but there must like, have been, I mean, you say 300 likes. I mean, that's an awful lot for a lot of people. So yet there must have been a time when you were having sort of, you know, three or four people being yeah, interested. Of course, yeah, right yeah, at, yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, I took it from the beginning. I took it very seriously. And mm-hmm. I, I told myself, it doesn't matter what the reception is. I will just keep doing it. I wasn't doing it every day at that point, yeah. but I was doing it. Seriously, I was making sure that I, the quality of the work was the best that I could do at that point mm-hmm. and just going with that. And, and you know, brick by brick, I managed to build this sort of structure. And that, that I find very interesting. It was a decision. I will embrace this digital world. I recognize. So something and you recognize that something in your career needed a push from somewhere else and you recognize that the digital world was going to help that. So what sparked yes. the opportunity that you saw in the digital world? Because five years ago is not a long time ago. Like you must have had a, a period before where you're like, well, not so I'm not going to do it that way. So what opportunity did you see in the digital world? Uh, I saw the opportunity to get to the art lovers without an intermediary entity like a gallery, for <laughs> right, example. I see, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I tried the gallery thing. It didn't work that well. I mean, okay, I have a gallery in Romania who supports me. I love them. They're great. But, you know, they have a limited sort of public and they do what they can and they have lots of other artists that they represent. They don't focus on me, you know. Um, but I tried getting other galleries and I got complete ignore, 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 you wow. know. Uh, and I thought, okay, I have to do something, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. how am I going to get my art out there? And, mm-hmm. you know, the digital world seems like the right thing. And the, yeah. the magical hashtag, you know, the idea that yeah. you put a tag on something and it has a chance to mm-hmm. get to the people that are interested in that mm-hmm. thing, you know, without another, without someone in between, you know, in that process. Yeah, it's so, so interesting. Sorry. Yeah, no. You, you, well, it's so interesting because I was speaking with KP, who's someone else I've, I've, I've interviewed, and we were talking about this of resistance. And he was like, well, look, it, it's like you have to understand that the, the digital economy existed, the profound opportunity that there is there. And it's, I just think with it's very hard and I had to go through this because I you know I consider myself quite old fashioned like and I'm an analog type of person you know what I mean and I like stuff in hand and I like art to be there and with process and stuff and with people and you know it's taken me a long time to kind of like revolutionize but now at this point it's like well there is a wonderful opportunity I mean there's a quotation and this is something that I find like quite inspiring that the ideas are the new oil and this is one of the things I also was very attracted about your work too, because I think you do such a fantastic job with the articulation of your process and of your art, the why behind what you're doing and being specific about the fact that you have a message and that you're tr- there's something that you're trying to put out into the world. It's very artistic. It's not always this fixed message, but there's a looseness within it that you get the spirit of what Ioannis is it just comes through but you can tell that you work at it and you do it in this bite-sized way where you know every day or a few days whatever it is that you do online you really work at the words and the messaging and that's something that I'm trying to also say to artists it's like okay look there is this digital economy. I know it's tough, but there is opportunity there. I mean, look at someone like yourself and, you know, you've just, you've taken out the middlemen, you've taken out the gatekeepers and you've done it on your own damn terms. And it's very exciting. And you've seen the opportunity there, but it's not just an opportunity of want. 
It's an opportunity of like, I will put my gift into the world and this is the mechanism through which I can do it. And that's how you get over the resistance because it's like there is, it's, it's the, it can be the perfect delivery vehicle if you can keep yourself sane along the way with it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I, I think the message here is make the algorithm your friend. You know, because so many people say, oh, the algorithm is killing my reach. You know, no, it's not. It's just you go with it. You try to understand it better. It's just a machine, you know. It's, yes. It doesn't have something against you. You just need to, yeah. to get how it works. And that's what I did, you know. Yeah. I mean, okay, it did. I'm saying now it, it didn't work for me for two years, but it did actually. Because, you know, it helped me grow that yes. profile and slowly slowly bit yeah. by bit person by person yeah. it pushed my work to a large and larger yeah. community it doesn't happen immediately but it will happen if you yeah insist. yeah and i think that that that's the other thing in you know what i find interesting is that in your you've embraced it as a part of your process it's not something you're resisting it's just something you it's part of your work now you happen to enjoy it but it's still work to sit down mm. for two hours a day or whatever it is to answer comments you're tired after an exhausting day and you know i bet you get exhausted after the concentration it takes to you know you you so you're not jackson pollock throwing it up onto the canvas i mean i'm sure that was exhausting as well like no disrespect to jackson but like but it's a part of the work. And it's like, if you have a message or something that you want to say to the world, that is going to, I mean, look at any of the luminaries out there who have ever transported a message. I mean, you look at Nelson Mandela embodied an idea and he, you know, he was in jail for so long and it never broke him. And his idea was, it became more and more powerful through that experience. I mean, you know, that type of spiritual power, I can't even imagine. But the point I make is that, you know, we have to do the work as artists and our resistance is okay. I think we have to ask ourselves, are we just resisting the work that it really takes to put a message out in the world? And the second thought that I had, it's also about shipping stuff. It's like, you know, like this really helped me when I decided to start use, utilizing social media more, it was like, stop wanting something back from anything that you're putting out, put it out with love, not with expectation. And, you know, it's stuff takes time to reach people, but once it, you know, and sometimes it might take seven days of putting different types of posts out, but some one person might react to it. And if it touches their heart and their spirit, and then you have a conversation, well, then you're kind of in it together. But you have to, you know, like you said, you just, you have to persevere if you're serious about the message and you've got to be tough for a message. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And uh, another thing that I like to, to tell myself and it's something you just said just now expect nothing be grateful for everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Lovely. Like, when you put something out there like, just like you said put it out with love don't expect anything mm -hmm. back from it but if something comes back appreciate it right in whatever quantity it comes if it's yes. from one person appreciate it anyway you know yeah. concentrate on that one person you know so beautiful one well look i've got a couple of i've got a couple of other questions is it okay to keep you for a few more yeah. minutes that cool yeah, so absolutely. i've just like like I was just so interested in the sort of like the spirit in your spirituality, which I think we've touched upon in lots of sort of different aspects or, you know, it's, it's like it, it walks before you. Um, but I think there's also 
there's different aspects and I, I, I just wanted to sort of like, yeah, read a quote to you from you again and then just, and then just see what your reaction is to hearing your own thing because there's such a question and about time and about fleeting things and about the capturing of beauty and it's just such a deep fabric in, you know, I think your, in your being. So time is the most precious thing we have. And deciding how to spend it is no easy task. Investing so many hours and days into drawing lines may look like madness, yet I have come to love what I do so much that I know I can trust my path to be the right one for me. I couldn't think of a better way to spend the split second I was given on this speck of dust that we call the earth. This is a, this is a quote from... I, or a paraphrase, I'm not sure, from one of my favorite authors was a Romanian writer, Mircea Cărtărescu, and he always refers to the world, to our earth, as a speck of dust that lives for a split second. You know, at universal scale, yeah. our presence here is nothing. Uh, you know, but for us, it's so important. It's everything we have, you know. Um, so that that's what I was trying to say. Okay, yeah. I don't I don't have much time here, but the time I have, I've made up my mind how I'm going to spend it. And mm -hmm. this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, but I, I think that's what I love about the reminder and to value each day and to use the time that you have as well as you can. So this was the question from Jesus Castillo. Do you think your drawings are worth the effort? Well, he was asking me if I think his drawing are worth the effort. So I went to his profile. Oh, did you? And I would like, yes. Oh, yeah, I, because I, I wanted to see what he was referring to. Yeah. And for, yes, I think his drawings are worth the effort. He definitely puts a lot of energy uh -huh. and effort in them. Yeah. So I think he should persevere. But this, for anyone else who might ask themselves this, yes, your effort in, uh, that you put into making art is worth it because it makes the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And the more mm -hmm. you put in into art the more you you're gonna you're going to improve you're gonna get better and better you're going to to you're going to get your message out to more and more people and you're going to be more impactful in this world mm -hmm. so yes definitely it is worth it you may think that it's not at the moment you may be unhappy with your results whatever but just keep doing it because it's the best thing you can do jesus i I'm with Iwana. Uh, you keep in there, man. You keep going. We're with you. We're, you know, we're all, now that's the thing. We're a community of artists. So let's keep supporting each other. So two final things. So one was another quote I love. You mentioned that your art is your life in a way. And one of the interesting things that I've had to go through in my journey as an artist is to discover that I am who I am and not what I do. And of course, they are very intricately connected and what you do expresses who you are. But for me, for a long time in my life, I was so, I would sacrifice my well-being to such an extent that I would do anything for the path. It was all for the path. And it was like, I was just acquiescent to what it was asking of me. And so when you say your your art is your life in a way, do you do you feel like you've arrived in that healthy space where you can put it aside and go and take the breath as you described it earlier with life or does sometimes is it too much you 
Um, is that ever something that you struggle with, that you're too bound to it? Or do you feel a sense of peace with it? It's, it's funny that you picked up on that. It's both. Sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the reason I said my, my art is my life in a way, that hesitation is exactly that. You know, sometimes I feel like maybe I'm, I'm too involved in yeah. it maybe i should because i i always have these visions or, or i don't know what they are some sort of fears or mm-hmm. i don't know ancestral anxiety i don't know where i think what's gonna happen if i can't do my art anymore right. who am i without my art yes. am i still a worthy human being yeah. and that's really difficult mm-hmm. to think about but i i i have to tell myself if that moment comes you're gonna deal with it then Mm-hmm. You know, yes. uh, in the meantime, you can make your art. Mm-hmm. You have this gift. Just use it to the best of your... I mean, and yes, I have to be mindful of, you know, taking breaks and enjoying yeah. life outside of the studio. And, and I do I do yeah. that. Uh, but there's always these thoughts, you know, what would happen if I if I had to stop being... You know, if, I don't yeah. know if my, my vision went, you know, bad or mm-hmm. my hands yes. started shaking or something, you know. Yeah. What, how would that impact me? And then the answer is, I don't know, but I'm sure I would find something. Yes, yes. Well, I think, like, if I may offer, I think it's not about finding it if, then, and when, because it, it's, I of think... Of course it's going to happen. Well, well, there's that, but it's also, I mean... I mean, you're, you, you know, you just, you feel like such a sort of, sort of, you're so sensitive to the workings of your spirit. And so it feels like you're already doing that work and you have that in a conversation with yourself and with your art and you, you know, see a therapist and, or, you know, and, and, and have such a, a vibrant conversation with it. For me, it's like a lifelong process. It's, it's a part of this sense of becoming of, but you can do it, but you're able to not do it. And I mean, for me, I couldn't go on holiday without my guitar, not because I wanted to take my guitar to write a song, but I couldn't do it. I was like, if I don't have it with me, it wasn't identity. It was about, I won't survive because to such a degree I had become like, it had become like a fixture of my being, if you like. And I just needed to howl. It was a way of getting it out. And I I, I learned that I need to be able to find a a, a different, you know, type of peace and a different, a, a different sort of way of being and and it's but it's something I always have to have to work on but I, I think that it's I, I feel like I'm becoming m- m- stronger as an artist paradoxically the more that I can let it go because mm-hmm. once you start being able to let it go you you're you're opening your up yourself up to so many other aspects in the world beyond that direct link because that direct link it can suffocate other experiences Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's, it's very true. I mean, I think I shared this in one of my posts that when I go, uh, when I go on holiday or when I go away from the studio, no, actually when I go on holiday, although I bring all of my drawing stuff with me, I never do anything. Oh, that's and somehow I have a, I have this sort of um, natural way of disconnecting when I'm not mm-hmm. in the studio. So mm-hmm. I think that's healthy. And that's probably my body saying you need a break. And yeah. indeed, those breaks are so good, because I can yeah. take so much of yeah. the world in yeah. and I can appreciate what's yeah. around me. Yeah. And you know, paradoxically, often, it's in those moments of mind peace, um, that the best ideas come, you know, like, it, 
<laughs> I mean, not to say that you should take a break in order to get your best idea, but <laughs> <Yeah>. somehow <laughs> it happens. But it's, but it's like Shakespeare said, nature abhors a void. You know, nature hates a void. And that's the thing. You create the space and of itself, it, it, it fills up. And, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I, I, but I know that I'm so much further than I was like 10, 15 years ago. And that's the lovely state of, of becoming. And that's part of the reason that we're artists is that we're trying to learn this stuff. And well, look, just a last, a last, I wonder if you would sort of jump off a cliff with me here. If, would you, if, would you be willing to shut your eyes and to just give for a moment a message to the world of what you would like to say at this moment and you could say it imagine it perhaps to a struggling artist or just to anyone who's struggling out there would you be willing to do that i can try i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to close my eyes oh, they're so. not, they're... <laughs> well then let's try it with our eyes open yeah i would say give as much oh sorry <laughs> it's a sign. Give, <laughs> yeah. uh, give as much time as you can to beauty because it's going to come back to you in ways that you would never have dreamed of. Wow, you formulated that so beautifully and succinctly. And I will take that into the rest of my day and week. <laughs> Iwana, I want to say thank you. And not just, well, for... for different reasons first of all for like all the ways that you inspire because it i think someone like you like you are sh you show leadership about how to go about this challenging path that we're on and it's inspiring and it gives a lot of us sort of hope in what we're going through in our personal lives and also thank you for taking the leap of faith with me to come on this podcast because it's just I feel like I've made a friend <laughs> yes absolutely I feel the same yeah. and I want to thank you for this opportunity and for being so insightful and for looking with such attention at my work it really means a lot and I'm glad you picked up on some of the key things from my practice and that, that's that's impressive I, I love that thank you very much it was a pleasure to do this Thank you. you and, and, and thank you, actually, hold on, one, just one second. Thank you for all the work that you put out there, because I think it is so important and so inspiring, and it should get to as many people as possible, because it's gonna, you are one of the people too, who will make the world a better place. Thank you and so you, much. And actually, you are already doing it. Thank, thank <laughs> you, Anna. No, no, but it means a lot to have your faith, really. Like, thank you. I'm wishing you a beautiful day. Thank you, you too. You take care. Bye now. Bye, bye.